Lord, that you're hearing. Lord, even more than our words, you're hearing the cry of our heart, Lord, and the cry of your people and the cry of your priests, Lord. And that, Lord, is that you would be glorified. And Lord Jesus, our prayer today, Lord, is that you would be glorified in and through our lives, that you would be glorified by the works of our hands, that you would be glorified, Lord, by the motivations that are in our heart, Lord. We're asking, Lord Jesus, that you would just come right now in every area of our lives. And we're asking, Lord, and it's a powerful, powerful prayer. We're asking, Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord, it is our heart's cry. Nothing else matters, but you would be glorified. Father God, would you be glorified, Lord, in our families? Would you be glorified in our marriages? Would you be glorified through our children? Would you be glorified in every act of service, Lord? And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the wilderness today has bowed down before the Lord Jesus Christ. What a mighty God. Lord, we just say, Lord, you are so mighty. You are yes, so, man. so oh, mighty. Yes, you are, we God. thank you, Lord, that you are in and above everything in each of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is mighty over each of the lives of your children. And we stand here, Lord, under your mighty, mighty hand. And Lord Jesus, we want to declare your name. We want to lift up your name, Father God, over our church, over every family, over the central coast, over Australia. Father God, we want to lift up your name, Lord Jesus. And we declare that you are the one true high living God, Lord. We bless you here today, Lord. We say, Lord, we are here for you and you alone, Lord. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified in our midst, Lord. It is our hearts cry, Lord. And we ask this in the mighty and most precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to just stand and we, you are standing and we are going to read the passage my husband will preach from today, if you'd like to turn to the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm reading from verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel... And a door was opened to me by the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who have been saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? 
For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity and as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Amen. Word of God, it's going to bless you this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching this passage this morning. Father God, I just ask this morning that you, Father God, we use this message this morning. Use your word to strengthen people, to bless people, to heal people. And Father God, I'm asking that you'll bring revelation to the human heart today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm preaching this passage because we are about to go on a a mission, my my wife, myself, Michael, we're about to go to Uganda to preach the glorious gospel. And we're not going there because we we like to to go to Africa. We're going there because God has opened a door. 1 Corinthians 16.9, Paul says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And one of the reasons, one of the ways you know a door has been opened by God and you're not just doing your own will and your own whim is the evidence of many adversaries. The evidence of opposition. Because if we are really advancing the kingdom uh, in the spiritual realm, the enemy knows we're advancing the kingdom and he will cause problems. So we don't get discouraged by our problems, but we know they are evidence that this is a kingdom appointment. This is a kingdom mission. And Paul says here, he says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. And you know, when God opens a door, Revelation 3 says, no man can shut it. When he opens that door, no man can shut it. It's open. It's open. And there's doors to the nations for this ministry are open. No one can shut it. Because he opens doors and he closes doors. And and when Paul says, the Lord has opened this door, he said, I had no rest in my spirit because I didn't find Titus, my brothers, but taking leave, I departed. In other words, he's saying... This door, when it was opened, he said, I needed Titus with me because Jesus always sent them out in twos to preach the gospel. But there was, Titus wasn't there. There was problems through this open door. Because whenever there's an open door, as I said, there are adversaries and the enemy makes sure there are issues and problems. We've had some problems this week. We, uh, the, the key person we're working with in Uganda rang up on, um, on Friday and said, uh, he needs to be on the ground. He needs to be on the ground in Uganda today to get things organized. He's just the key man. Everything revolves around him. He's got everything. He rings and he says, Pastor Martin, he says, I, I need you to pray for me. He said, because I was on the airplane. And he says, as it was taxiing, the airplane started to make a funny noise. And they took us back into the hangar and got us all off the plane, kept us in the airport for 10 hours. And I've just been told that the flight is cancelled. There's no more flights to the 24th, which is beyond the program. And so the whole church prayed. And praise God, we sort of saw the God that makes a way when there is no way. And a miracle happened, and he's on the flight, a new flight, and he's going to be there. 
So we praise God. But the open door, again, had many adversaries, had many problems. But we are not dismayed because we understand uh, we, have a, we have an adversary. But Paul says, he says, uh, although there's many problems, I am confident that as I go on this mission that God sent me through, through this open door, he says, I am confident that I will be led in triumph. No matter what you're doing in and for and through the gospel, you should be confident that you will be led in triumph. And, and Paul says he actually paints a picture here. And he's painting picture here for us of a, of a Roman procession. When Roman armies went out to battle and they came back victorious, uh, it, was, it was an absolutely glorious sight. It was a, it was a wonderful sight. Uh, incredible, incredible, superb sight. And, and they would come back in and it was all pomp and the, the Senate would be at the front. The Roman Senate would be leading this parade and then behind that there would be uh, these people coming and they'd be displaying all the, 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 boot, the booty and the loot and all the, uh, the spoil they'd taken from the conquered nation and the conquered regions. They'd be displaying all the gold and all the treasures. And then behind them, there were priests who would come and, and they were uh, doing some kind of, you know, worship thing with Roman gods and they would release this, this uh, fragrance into the air as, the, as traditional Roman worship did. And so they would be doing that. And then uh, behind, behind this, the, the, the priests, there would come the captives, the, the generals and the priests from the conquered regions, they would be the fourth in this procession and they would be bound in chains, the most miserable. They'd been taken, they'd been conquered and they were coming back defeated. And so uh, they, having said all that, they weren't the focus. The fifth column that came and made the procession so glorious was the general. The general who had led, left Rome voluntarily, risked himself, gone into foreign lands and conquered them. He was the, he was the focus point of the procession. He was what everyone marvel that and who he was what, what, what every eye was focused on because he'd gone and he'd conquered he'd conquered foreign lands he'd expanded the Roman Empire he'd uh, he'd gone into battles and um, and overcome and and he would be riding in a special chariot and he would have uh, special clothes on and 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 the whole army was following this glorious victorious general and all the army and all the soldiers would scream out, Lo triumph, as they entered back into Rome. And so there was this, 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 uh, this, this general being lauded and being applauded, and the army screaming, Lo triumph, because the general had gone into the field, risking himself and 
conquering regions and bringing home the soldiers victorious and leading generals, opposition generals, captive. And see, it's a, Paul says this is, this is a perfect picture and a perfect rep representation of Christ who is our commander. And, and it's a perfect representation of Christ because he is the universal commander who didn't have to, but he didn't leave Rome. He left heaven and he came and for us he went into a foreign land, which is this earth, and he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered Satan all at the cross. He is our universal conqueror who has fought many battles, who fought many battles and won them all. And he is a universal conqueror. And he is universal. And for centuries, many have, have fought him. And he's continued to conquer. Emperors and empires, philosophies and worldviews, cultures and other religions, no one can contain no one can contain Christ. No one can contain the spread of the gospel. No one can confine him. When he came, what was, what was in power was religious Judaism of his day. And Rome was the greatest empire. It was equivalent to the USA today. It was the superpower of the world. And, 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 and Judaism was the religious power of the world. And uh, both of them persecuted Christ and Christianity. Judaism persecuted Christ and lost everything to Christ. It persecuted Christ and lost everything to Christ. He conquered Judaism. Rome persecuted Christ. There was emperors Nero and then Decius and then Domitian and then Diocletian. All of them persecuted the church and all of them persecuted Christianity. But this carpenter called Christ, and his 70 followers he had at his death conquered the might of Rome. And still today, Christianity goes forward conquering the world. We are more than conquerors in Christ. So it's a glorious picture, Paul's painting, of Christ the conqueror. But it's also a picture of Christ, the commander. He is the commander and he is the conqueror. And uh, everything, many things over the centuries. And today you see many things trying to eliminate Christianity, trying to eliminate Christ. And I will tell you, all of them will fail and the gospel will continue to conquer. Amen. History just repeats over and over and over. But we serve a Christ who is our commander and conqueror. And it's because of Christ, Paul is saying, because of Christ, we, because of Christ has the victory, we have the victory. We don't have the victory in and of ourselves. It's because Christ has conquered and won the victory, 
We have the victory. What has he conquered? He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered Satan. And because we are in him, we are victorious. We are victorious over sin. We are victorious over self. We are victorious over satanic temptation. We are victorious because he is victorious. He has won the victory for us. And we, that's what we say, are more than conquerors. In Christ, because he has fought the battle. And what Paul sees himself, Paul sees himself here. He sees himself, you see this, this victory parade. There is the senate, there is the, the, the booty, there is the priests, there are the captives, and there is the general in his army. Where does Christ, Paul, see himself in the whole picture? Paul sees himself... There's the general coming back into Rome with his army. Paul sees himself only as part of Christ's army. Part of the general's army. That's all he sees himself as. He doesn't see himself as something great. He just sees himself as somebody in the army of the commander. And this is the key to victorious life. See, a soldier, when he joins the army has willingly given up his freedom. A soldier, when he joins the army, has willingly come under the command of the commander. A soldier, when he joins the army, if you like, has willingly become a captive to the commander. And he doesn't promote his own ideas anymore. He only promotes the ideas of what his commander tells him to promote. And Paul is, is, is he's, he's saying, I have been willingly conscripted into this army. Willingly conscripted. And that's what a Christian is. We are willingly conscripted into the army. And when you're in the army, you can't go where you want to go anymore. You can't do what you want to do anymore. You are under command. And if you haven't come under the command of Christ, you're not used a Christian. We follow. And we serve, but we have given up our freedom when we come into Christ. He becomes our commander and conqueror. The irony is, the only truly free people are those who've given up their freedom to Christ. If you haven't, you come into bondage. Sooner or later, you come into bondage, alcohol, sin, Sex, all these sort of things, they take you captive. But we're truly free when we join Christ's army and when we give up our freedom for him. And, 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 and Paul says, uh, you know, uh, we're not only in this army, we're following the commander, but we are not as many peddling the word of God, but out of sincerely sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So he says, I'm, I'm in this army, and I'm following my commander. I've surrendered my own self to him, and I'm not just peddling any old thing. He says, what I speak is the truth. It's the Word of God. It's, it's, it's what I'm told to speak. And you know, as, a, as, 
Representative Christ. We don't have to reinvent fancy messages. We stand in 2,000 years of history and we just preach the undefiled gospel. That's our job. And, and, and he sees himself as, as in this procession following his commander who is always victorious. And, and, and you know, that's the truth. No matter what difficulties you find in the Christian life, as we follow Christ, we are victorious. And how God wants us to live, God will open doors for you in your field, whatever the field is. He may open doors for you to go and witness to someone on a park, or he may open a door for you to, to, in, in a job to go and be a witness for him. But really all our job is, as Christians, is to follow the commander and live our life in captive obedience to him. Absolute obedience to the commander. Surrendered, recruited, not having my own will anymore, but being owned and being in the army of Christ and simply obeying him. Just as a captive, not having my own will, but obeying and living for him and being directed by him and speaking the word of God. That's all that is required to live the victorious Christian life. That's all that is required. And it doesn't matter if you have temporary setbacks. If we live like that, captive to Christ, just following our commander, the Bible says that when we have setbacks, he turns everything for the good to those who love him. Many people had setbacks in the scripture. But because they followed Christ and they were captive, they didn't do their own will, but they continued to serve him no matter whether they were. God bought victory. You think of Joseph, who was put in a prison, who was put in a pit. It was impossible to get out of that pit, but Christ bought victory for him because he didn't do what he wanted to do. He just lived to serve Christ. And so all we need to do is be truly under the command of Christ, speaking the word of Christ, being surrendered to Christ, being owned by Christ. And God will bring victory, even in your even you may be persecuted, even you may be rejected. Christ brings victory because you have salvation. And, and so... As we, this is the Christian life, as we just follow Christ, as we follow him as our commander, as we live captive to him, in obedience to him, just following him because we love him in confidence that, that, that Christ has won all for us. There should be, this army came into Rome, a shout of triumph in our life. There should be a joyful sound in, in every Christian that Christ has won the victory for me, that for me Christ has left heaven. He's conquered sin, Satan and death for me. And there should be a shout. There should be a shout of triumph in your heart. 
that I am more than a conqueror through Christ. That through Christ, we have conquered death. He has conquered it for us, but we are in his army. He's the first fruits. And there should be a shout in the heart of every Christian. But you knew as you live captive to Christ, as you live speaking his word wherever you go, you're doing something. As you're displaying to people that you no longer do your own will anymore, but you are following. You are following Christ. You, are, you have given up your rights and you are obedient to him. And you're surrendered to him. As soldiers can't just do their own will anymore. And you follow him. What happens as you live like that? You are dispersing the fragrance of Christ. You're just dispersing the fragrance of Christ. And in this procession, don't remember, there are two groups. One are victorious and glad and joyful because their leader and commander is undefeated. He is conquered. He is returned victorious and they are joyful. But there's another group, the princes and the nobles who are miserable and downhearted and frustrated and bound. And to one, the fragrance is the aroma of life, but to the other, the fragrance is the aroma of death. The reason that it's the aroma of death is because they are not led by Christ. They are bound. They are on the way to be executed. They are on the way to be sold as slaves. And if you're outside of Christ, that's the reality. You're already bound by Satan. You're already on the road to eternal death. And that's why, as a believer, some people come against you. Because in the spirit, you remind them. You remind them of where they're headed. You don't even have to open your mouth sometimes. But the same procession, when you follow Christ like that, you're the aroma of life to some and the aroma of death to others. This is the true gospel that we need. You know, I hear a lot of preaching these days that Jesus is my friend. And he is our friend. But sometimes people think he's his friend and we, he's so friendly that we can do what we like. And, uh, and it's still going to work out okay. This is like the greasy grace gospel. This is not a true Christian has a commander. We are under command. And we only have victory to the degree which we live under his command. We only have victory to the degree we've come and we've surrendered to him. Paul called himself a bondservant. I used to be in the army. When you're in the army, you enter a different world. It's not like civilian life. There are completely new rules, completely new standard operating procedures, and you come under all that. We, when we are recruited, we come under the Word of God. We come under the command of Christ and under the command of the Word of God. And until we come under His command, He won't conquer for us. But when we come under His command, 
He becomes not only our commander, but our conqueror. You may be in a battle against anxiety. You may be in a battle of addiction. But when we live under command, he conquers for us. We are not conquerors. He is conquerors. We are more than conquerors in him. My question is, are you under command? Are you living under command? Have you surrendered your, not only your life, but your will? And this book is over your life. It's not the, the ten suggestions. They're called the ten commandments. But as we live under command, we, in him, we follow the undefeated, the undefeated commander and conqueror. And Paul says, as he's about to go through this door, and I always feel like this, you know, the job of the church is, is that we follow the one who was incarnational. He could have stayed in heaven, but he didn't. Because he loves us, he left heaven. And he came into foreign territory. And he put himself on the line. And he spoke the word of God and conquered new territory. And he's told his church now to go into all the world following our commander under his command. And we too will conquer nations for him. The Bible says make disciples of nations. And as we go in command to the word of God, go into all the world, he will conquer hearts. He will He will. Uh, Lead captivity captive. But then you, 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 you think to yourself, who is sufficient for such a, who is sufficient for such a, a, a mandate? Who is sufficient to go and disciple nations? Well, we thank God. We don't have to be submission, sufficient. We just have to be surrendered and under command. And he is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for all things. So I want to encourage us today that you follow. Christ is our commander. He is that general. And we follow one who has never been defeated. We follow one who wins every battle. Every battle, but he wins them for those who've been conscripted. Voluntary come into his army to follow him and live under his command. Are you in a battle? Are you in a battle with alcohol? Are you in a battle with drugs? Are you in a battle with sin? You don't have to fight your own battles in the Christian life. Christ fights our battles for us. What we have to do is be under his command. We have to be yielded to him, living in obedience to him. And as we do that, the Bible is full of people who faced impossible odds. But because they were fully surrendered, God himself enters the battle. You can think of the Egyptians at the Red Sea with the whole weight of the Egyptian army pressing down on these freed slaves. And they had no hope at all. 
But because they lived under the command of God, God himself entered the battle. He took off their wheels and he drowned them. And that's what happens if you live under command. Our conqueror will come into your battle against addiction and take its wheels off. That means remove its power. If we live under his command. So this is a question to you today. You know, there are many people who come into church on Monday. They wave their hands and they do all this. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And on Monday, they go off and do what they want to do. Because they've never come to the revelation that I was purchased with a price. I am no longer my own. I have been bought with the blood of Christ and recruited into the army of God. And to follow him, live under the standing operation procedures of the word of God. And as I live like that, he conquers for me. I want anyone who's in a battle. I want, to, I want us to bow our head now. And I want anyone who's in a battle just to examine yourself and say, have I surrendered my will, my way, have I trusted Christ completely that he'll be good to me enough to surrender to him? I tell you, he will. And am I living under the command of his word? Because if you're not, you, you have the frustration of constantly in being battled. If that's you, I just invite you. It's between you and God today to surrender to him. Maybe you'll come here today and you are miserable, downhearted and defeated. You're in the wrong procession because you're not saved. You haven't come to Christ and there's something deep down in you that knows you're on the way to slavery, knows you're on the way to death without hope. And God is calling you through Christ to come out of one procession, the world's procession, and into the procession of Christ to join yourself to Christ today, to join yourself to him. Let him be your commander and everything will turn around. You will know the joy of salvation. You will be glad in Christ. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you sent Christ, the mighty warrior, the Lord of hosts, heaven's army. And you sent him, Lord, into war against the enemy. And he has overcome. He made a spectacle of Satan at the cross. He defeated sin and death and Satan at the cross. But Father God, your word says that we, as we follow him, we are not losers, we are winners, we are more than conquerors.
because we too are in him, in his army. Death has lost its sting on us. Sin has lost its power over us as we follow him. Father, I'm asking that you help us simply to live completely surrendered, completely obedient to him. And as we go, that we shall distribute the fragrance of Jesus in our workplace, in our families, in our not be discouraged when we may be rejected because that fragrance is also the fragrance of death. I thank you that we don't have to kick down doors. We just have to do that. Follow our commander. Follow him fully. As we follow you, Jesus, as we obey you, Jesus, we are distributing that fragrance. And it is so sweet. It is so sweet to us who are saved. Father, I thank you as we go through this open door, even though there be adversaries, we don't go through it alone. You go through it. Our commander leads us. Our commander goes ahead of us. And our commander brings us home. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We want to shout today that you have won the victory. Let there be a shout in the heart of every believer every single day because you are a wonderful, victorious Savior in Jesus' name. Let's just finish by shouting about Christ today. Let's boasting in Christ. Our commander is also our conqueror. Amen.